0: We'll be reading this morning from Ruth chapter 3 and then the first chapter in Matthew. I love the way we stand to honor the Word of God in this church as we read. Starting in uh, Ruth chapter 3. Then Naomi, her mother in law, said to her, My daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Is not Boaz our relative? with whose young women you were see he is winnowing barley tonight in the threshing floor at the threshing floor wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking but when he lies down observe the place where he lies then go and uncover his feet and lie down He said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. And he said, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will not for you all that you ask. For all my fellow Townsmen, know that you are a worthy woman, and now it is true that I am a redeemer, yet there is a redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning he will redeem you. Good, let do it. Good, let him do it. But if he is not willing to redeem you then, as the Lord lives, I will redeem you. Lie down until the morning." So she lay at his feet and in the morning, until the morning, and but arose before one could recognize one another. And he said, Let not be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, Bring the garment you are wearing and hold it out. So she held it. He measured out six measures of barley and put it on her. Then she went into the city. And when she came to her mother-in-law, she said, How did you fare, my daughter? Then she told for all that the man had done for her, saying, These six measures of barley he gave to me. For he said to me, You must not go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. She replied, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, until rest, but will settle the matter today. And in the New Testament, starting the first chapter of Matthew, And Nashem the father of Solomon, and Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab, and Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And the Lord bless the reading of his word. You may be seated.
1: If you heard my wife speak, you know why I asked her to do that. Um, she's so much more articulate than I am, but as well... Uh, heartfelt um, thoughts towards Orlando Grace Church and the time that we've spent here. It has truly been a blessing and a healing time for us. And uh, you'll see us some more, but um, this really is our, probably our last Sunday here as a family in this manner. Um, And just in God's providence, um, Pastor Kurt had to be out and asked me to preach. So here we are. We'll also uh, invite you, all of you, if you can, uh, to bring your own lunch. Um, But we'd like to make a presentation about uh, the work that God has already begun to do in South Florida and how we'd like to join with what God is doing there in planting a church to the glory of God. And I'd like to say that all of you are going to be involved And we pray that each one of you will um, at least support us in prayer, at most support us in prayer. Your prayers are invaluable, and um, so we're trusting that you will do so. If you're unable to stay, uh, we'll be in touch, and please stay in touch with us as well. So we have the privilege of going through the book of uh, Ruth chapter, or the chapter in Ruth, Ruth chapter 3... And um, may the Holy Spirit convict our hearts today and cause us to love and trust our Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim the coming of his kingdom to the glory of God the Father. I'm grateful for the opportunity and every opportunity that I've had um, while we've been here in order to bring forth the word of God. Um, It's always a privilege and we're grateful again for this congregation. The story of Ruth is legendary, isn't it? And um, if you don't know the story, we'll we'll kind of jump halfway in today. But let me mention a couple things. And a couple things. In in chapter one of the story of Ruth, we see that it occurs in the days when the judges ruled, when everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Um. We feel the weight of the darkness and the curse of God upon Israel due to their, their disobedience and due to their self-reliance. There's a famine in the land, and a father named Elimelech leads his family away from the land of God's promise. He leads them away from Judah, away from Bethlehem, whose name actually means the house of bread. And he leads them away to feed among the enemies of God. So they have in, in effect rejected God, rejected God's promises toward them. They don't trust God anymore. And after her husband and sons die, Naomi returns to Bethlehem with only one daughter-in-law. And she take note, takes note that God has, has punished her. If you look in Ruth chapter 1, Verse 20, it says that the Lord has uh, dealt very bitterly with me, right? She says, the Lord has brought me back empty. The Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me. But then the narrator writes, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her from the country of Moab. So she's returned. She's repented. But she has nothing to show for her time in Moab except Ruth. And Ruth, turns out, is a converted believer in the God of Israel. Now, the original listeners listening to this story, they would have recognized God's covenant promise on Ruth's lips. In verse 16 of chapter 1, after Ruth is it's telling her and her sister Orpah to just go back to their mothers uh, and go back to their families. Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Listen to this. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Because in Exodus 6 verse 7, God tells Moses that he's remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he tells him to tell the people of Israel who are enslaved by the Egyptians at that time, he says, I am the Lord, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burden of the Egyptians. And later on on Mount Sinai, After Israel has escaped Egypt, God tells Moses to tell the people, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. He says, I am the Lord. I am your God. You will be my people. I have brought you out on eagles' wings, and I have redeemed you. And notice that the obedience of the Israelites uh, was not commanded so that they might be redeemed, but because they had already been redeemed. He'd already brought them out out of Egypt. And this is the nature and character of our God. To take a people who were not a people, to take us, as enemies of God, those who reject his promises and and we reject his care. And he condescends to us. He awakens our dead hearts to return to him and he gives us bountiful grace. He gives us his provision. He gives us his love so that we would be called children of God, so that indeed we would be called his bride. This is what we see from the history and promises of God in the Old Testament all the way to their fulfillment in the New Testament and even with new promises that come. And so we finally see in Revelation chapter 21, the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And there God says, behold, I am making all things new. And so remember that this is where where God's gracious sovereign hand is directing all of history for the rest of his people for the sleep for the rest of his people fulfilling all of his promises to them and then just moving on to chapter two we find that Ruth there takes initiative to fulfill her right as a stranger and a foreigner to glean from the corners of the fields and she's received the gracious favor of Boaz this this mighty valiant man favor that she doesn't expect. And so now in chapter three, chapter three, we're going to learn, and this is our main theme, that God, our God, is sovereign and faithful to his promises. So we are invited to approach him in obedience and faith. Let's pray before we move forward. Lord God, we thank you for this story. And we realize that it's not just a story it's not just something from history but this is redemptive history this shows us Lord how you in your grace with your gracious hand have sovereignly reigned over all of history in order to bring us to an understanding of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came so that we might have life and that we might have rest Help us to hear your word. Help us, oh God, to do what you have called us to do. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our God is sovereign and faithful to his promises, so we're invited to approach him in obedience and faith. And so there's three things related to this main theme that we're going to learn. Number one, that God promises rest and we can trust him. Number two, that claiming God's promises requires the obedience of faith. And three, and finally, God assures us that he will deliver on his promise and give us rest. First, God promises rest, and we can trust him to provide that rest. Naomi tells uh, Ruth in verse one, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Now, remember in chapter one, Or if you recall from the story that you may have heard before, in chapter 1, Naomi tells Orpah and Ruth to return to their mother's house in order to find rest. But for Ruth, how could she now do that? She was now following the one true God. And she was following this woman who she now knew as a mother. And here in chapter 3, things are starting to get encouraging because Naomi has now, she's returned to the land to the house of bread, and she started to see God's goodness to her, and she started to see God's goodness to Ruth. She's being provided for. She's no longer empty, but really she's not quite full yet. She's returned to God, but now she knows that there's more for her daughter-in-law that she has followed, uh, that has followed her in devotion and in faith. Uh, There's more for her, and because of God's goodness, her trust and her faith in God is increasing more and more. And it moves her to action. Uh, it reminds me of the writer of Hebrews who in chapter 4 encourages the people of God to strive to enter into the rest that God has promised for his people. And we can strive to enter that rest in, in great confidence and assurance that we will have it. Why? Because our high priest, Jesus Christ, has secured that rest for us. And I want to encourage each and every one of us here today that if we have seen God do things for us in the past, let it encourage you to trust him for your present. Allow it to encourage you to trust him for your future. He is the God who will give you rest. He is the God who will provide. And Naomi is now moved, because of what she has seen God is doing, to think of a plan, right? It doesn't make her stagnant. She's moved to think of a plan that would secure a marriage for her daughter-in-law to finalize this rest. And Boaz is one of their redeemers, and we learned that in chapter two. There is a chance. There is a chance that her family can now experience redemption. Remember the darkness that they've they've been through. They left their land. Her husband, her two sons have passed away. Her her other daughter-in-law is gone. Much darkness, but now there's a chance that they can experience redemption. Their family can be whole. Ruth cannot, can be not just a young lady that represents the enemies of the people of God, but now she has a chance to be a part of the family of God. And the original audience listening to this story would see God's hand in every background detail here moving Naomi's embittered life toward restoration and redemption because she has returned to the state safety of her God and and this story is is just a reminder of God's covenant to his people I will be your God and you will be my people and the assurance that we have in him and it's not just for Israel but it's for all that put their hope and their trust in him So so Naomi is moved to action and she tells Ruth what to do. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But Ruth's response in verse 5 is all that you say I will do. And that brings us to our second point. We see that claiming God's promises requires the obedience of faith. Claiming God's promises requires the obedience of faith. The plan that Naomi put together here was not a foolproof plan. There's a whole lot that could have gone wrong here. Uh, you can poke a lot of holes in a plan like this. She is telling Ruth to go down to the threshing floor after Boaz has eaten and and has drunk and he's merry and he's happy. And and, and if you read the plan, it just causes you to say, what is she thinking? But Naomi has seen Boaz's character and she has seen enough of God's goodness to know that God is not going to leave her or forsake her. And she's moving in confidence and Ruth believes her and she trusts in Naomi and her God and she obeys. This is not blind obedience, but this is the obedience of faith. And Ruth reminds us that our love for God and our faith in him should result in a courageous boldness to obey and trust in his sovereign good character and his love for us. It reminds me of the song, When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will what? Trust and obey. In John 15 verse 7, Jesus says these words, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Trust and obey. So Ruth does, as Naomi instructs, she she lays down the work clothes. Remember, she's been gleaning in the field, and she's had on the clothes of a servant. So she lays down those work clothes um, because those clothes would not make her eligible for marriage. She's a servant. She's not on par with Boaz. And her identity, though, is changing. So she, she gets washed according to the instructions. She gets perfumed. In other words, she, she anoints herself. And she puts on her finest clothes. And she's not going to approach Boaz as just a servant. The word there, the Hebrew word, uh, she, she mentions that she's a servant to Boaz. But the, the the word has changed. It's not just a servant. It's a handmaid, uh, not just a foreigner, but she now sees herself as a part of the family of God who is welcome. And so she goes down to the thresh, threshing floor where Boaz is, is eating and drinking. And, and that just tells you right there that the curse has been lifted from Bethlehem. He's eating, he's drinking, he's merry, he's happy, he's joyful. There's more than enough now in the house of bread. There's barley, but he lies down beside grain as well. And and she waits there in the shadows until he lies down. And she approaches softly, as the scripture tells us, silently. Now understand, there's no desire to wake him here. Um, She doesn't have a desire to encounter him before he discovers her for himself. So she uncovers his feet, only his feet. And we don't know what wakes Boaz up. Might, might have been the cold on his feet. Um, some of you all have spouses whose feet are really cold. And maybe his feet touch Ruth. And around midnight, he's startled out of sleep. And he bends over to discover that there's this woman lying at his feet. And he he gets up, and they're facing each other in the dark. Who are you, he says. And Ruth answers him based on who he is. And she answers him based on the promises of God that she is claiming. And she says, I am Ruth, your handmaid. Spread your wings over your servant, for you are a redeemer. She invites Boaz to be the answer to his own prayer. Look, at, look with me in verse 12 of chapter 2. Boaz says, The Lord repay you for what you have done. And he's talking about the goodness that she's shown to Naomi. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She is actually making a marriage proposal. But it doesn't come on the heels of an illicit relationship. Instead, we hear God reminding us, because remember, even though we have an author for this narrative, we have a divine author who is helping us to understand the arc of his redemption throughout history. So we hear God reminding us, as in Exodus 19, that he brought Israel up from Egypt. He redeemed Israel and he brought them out on eagles' wings, covering them protecting them. And Ruth's request that Boaz cover her with his wings is a request for him to make her family whole again, to change their status, to fulfill their rest, to redeem them. And this is language we hear in the New Testament related to what has happened to us in Christ. In Ephesians 4, we're told that we who were dead in trespasses and sins, Paul Paul also calls us enemies of God. In Romans, we who were dead in trespasses and sins were chosen by our gracious God before the foundation of the world. And he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus. And in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. The idea of redemption, it's more than just a one-time buyout. When we're redeemed, we're no longer our own. See, Ruth is proposing an unbreakable union with Boaz. And as we are redeemed by God, we are in union with Christ. Everything that he has, we have and will have. One day we're going to see him and be like him. And there's this mystical union that we have with Christ, and not only with Christ, with all the members of the bride of Christ. We're covered by him. We're protected by him. We're loved by him. We find all of our hope and rest in him and in him alone. We're justified in him. We're no longer strangers and foreigners. We're no longer enemies, but now we're at peace with God and rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. So we see that God promises rest and we can trust in him. We also see that claiming God's promises requires the obedience of faith. And finally, assurance. Assurance. God assures us that he will deliver on his promise and give us rest. There is a plot twist it's not happily ever after just yet because there's another redeemer a relative that's closer than boaz and we don't know what he's going to do but look at boaz's boaz's response to ruth's request he says may you be blessed of the lord may you be blessed of the lord And that's a request and a command. Be blessed of the Lord. He says, now my daughter, do not fear. He says, I will do for you all that you ask. He says, as the Lord lives, if this other guy won't redeem you, I will redeem you. See, Boaz is assuring Ruth that he will fulfill her request. And how wonderful this must have been for Ruth to hear that the prayers of Naomi would be answered, that there would be a redeemer. There would be someone to restore the family name. There would be someone to preserve the family's future. There would be someone to care for the family's present needs. And again, the original hearers of this narrative most likely would have already knew, they would have already known about David and about the fact that he was king, and they would have known something about his lineage, but however, what assurance of God's promises to them that they would feel, knowing that their God was one who would condescend to them and, and he would see about their redemption. And he would see about the redemption of a family that had turned their back on God, had turned their back on the land of promise, had turned their back on the house of, of bread, But because of the faithfulness of God, they had returned and they would experience full restoration. Their God, the Israelites would hear, and I want you to hear this as children of God today, is a God who is so concerned about the inclusion of all nations that he causes a Moabitess. And that might have been the most derogatory term or type of woman for an Israelite to marry. A Moabitess is brought into the family of God in such a way that she would be the grandmother of David, who, as we read in the genealogy in Matthew, is not just any king. He is the king. And David was a father of the king of kings, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, humanly speaking. So Ruth's redemption and her place in history assures us that our God is concerned about every nation and that our Lord Jesus is is the anointed one, the Christ, Matthew calls him, who is the sovereign ruler of all nations. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And we have full assurance and we can be content in him because he has promised for all of us who have put our faith and our trust in he and he alone I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen? I'm really, I was really saddened this week um, by the deaths of uh, Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, uh, by suicide, presumably um, because of depression. And I, I know there are, their deaths are not the only ones mourned this week. Um, obviously, over 100 peop- 120 people, I understand, die by their own hand every day. And these are image bearers of God. But there's a loss of hope. There's a loss of hope. And if there's anyone here today who's experiencing a sense of hopelessness or, or restlessness, things have not turned out, as you expected or desired. You might even be experiencing um, a momentary or even a prolonged loss of assurance of salvation and the benefits of salvation in this life through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we're truthful, things can get discouraging sometimes. Life can cause you to be discouraged. You can begin to even wonder whether or not God has forsaken you. And we can respond a number of ways. We can respond by turning our backs on him. We can respond by turning to other means of support that we believe will help us. Turning to really other gods. Might, could be anything. Might be food. Might be binge watching Netflix. Might even be more destructive than that. But none of that will satisfy None of that will provide the assurance we need. None of that can redeem us. None of those things can give us rest. I want to encourage you today to remember or to come to the one who gives rest. If you're not a believer, come. And if you are a believer, I want to remind you to trust his word. If you're returning to God because you have rejected him, because Life has been hard. I want you to know that he won't cast you off when you return. If we ever get to the point where we, we believe the enemy's lies, that God has forsaken us, the story of Ruth shows us that God has made provision in his son. He's there to provide and to protect us, even when, even when it seems like there is lack or, or danger, even chaos all around us. We might even begin to believe that our own inadequacy or our own mistakes will mess up the plan of God for our lives and God's ultimate plan. Now, there are consequences to every action. That's true. And our actions can harm us. They can harm other people. But I want you to know that God is sovereign over every action and he will cause all things for those whom he loves to redound to his glory. He will use every action to bring his elect to him, to see the church preserved, to continue the expansion and the advancement of his kingdom until all things are made new. Of course, this doesn't mean that we do sinful things because we just believe that he's going to preserve us anyway. And why don't we do that? Because we've been redeemed by a sovereign God who has acted graciously toward us. We were less than servants. We were strangers. We were foreigners. We had no right to be included in the family of God. But God, who is rich in mercy, he redeemed us. He united us to him. And now, because of faith in Jesus Christ, we're a part of the family of God. Part of the body of Christ. And Christ didn't rest until he fulfilled the law, until he died on the cross, until he was buried, until he was resurrected, and he accomplished our salvation for us. And now that it has been accomplished, he is constantly our provider, he's our protector. He's our comforter. He's advocating for us at the right hand of the Father. He's making his presence known to us through the Holy Spirit day after day after day. He is the sovereign God of rest. Let's pray. Our Lord and Savior, we know that life will not always afford us the things that we think we deserve. But we also know that you are our God, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, and that our hearts can be returned to you. Thank you for the glorious gift of faith in you and trust in you. Help us to continue to obey you through faith and to receive the assurance that you provide that you are our God and we are your people. In Christ's name we pray, amen.